Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. We're back at it. You can tell uh, through this audio medium that uh, time has passed because uh, Pierce is recording from a, a different camera angle in his room at home than, yes. than he, he typically does. So that maybe there's been some some rearrangement. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I will I will say that. Uh, you know, we're we're recording this in advance of when it's going to come out. So just a, a preemptive congratulations to uh, Princeton and Florida Atlantic on making the final four. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I saw that coming for sure. Yeah. I, I think I think what's interesting is, you know, they are both schools that that value academics so highly. Um, so it's really, it's really great to see the smart schools coming out. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, on average between the two, they value them highly is what, is what I'm saying. I, th- I think it might be skewed one way versus the other, but you know, uh, go, go owls and tigers. We really need more, more well, owls. Hang on. Now is, mascot. is it skewed toward the school that's in the Ivy league or is it skewed towards the school that has in its history hired Lane Kiffin to coach football? <laughs> well, there are a lot of schools that have hired Lane Kiffin to coach football. So, um, you know, if that's going to bring things down, it's it's going to be a big a big list. Um, yeah. So we're we're recording this before the second weekend of the tournament starts, but this is the first time that we've recorded since before the first weekend of the tournament. So. I mean, I think, you know, this is our, our first chance to to talk on wax in a world in which uh, another fan base has experienced uh, what was at least at one time thought to be the greatest possible shame in the sport of college basketball. And... It was fascinating to watch Fairleigh Dickinson, the smallest team in Division One, uh, run circles around Purdue, a team headlined by Zach Eady, a, a young man who uh, is, uh, to, to steal the structure of an old joke, uh, seven foot four in your programs, uh, but 11 feet tall in real life. Yeah, um, which may be which may be true. I've never stood next to him before. Um, I just like it was, it was such a stark contrast in styles. This this team that had, you know, five guys who were all shorter than like six six, um, just running around and stealing the ball from a guy bigger than any two of them standing on each other's shoulders. Uh, it, they were it, playing 5-1-1 on defense. <laughs> right. 
it triggered so many memories of uh, youth basketball coaches yelling at, at post players, don't bring the ball down. Keep it high. That's the whole point of you yeah. being big, dummy. Yeah, uh, he's not the only one who made a mistake uh, that, you know, a high school JV player learns the first time they learn how to break a press. So. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll I'll I'll mention after uh, after we stop because I don't I don't want to inflict this on any yeah. anyone more than the two of you. Uh, but I, I you know I who saw, wins in March? Experienced guards. I saw <laughs> saw another clip. I saw a, a an angle of it again that made me even more flabbergasted. Um, but yeah, uh, you guys were were talking when I got on on Skype this afternoon. Uh, about you know this phenomenon where teams that are centered college teams that are, are centered no pun intended around you know uh headlining big men got overwhelmingly bounced early in the tournament arizona uh lost to a 15 seed in the first round purdue lost to a 16 seed uh, Indiana got crushed by oh. Miami, who oh, Miami Stars just lit him up. Um, um, and then yeah, Kentucky two years in a row. Yeah, two years of early exits. Uh, hell, Carolina didn't even make tournament. Uh, as we we learned today, that Armando Baycott plans to uh, come come back for his his Kihei year. Um, I I can only hope. Uh, that it ends the same way that Kihei's Kihei year did. That would be great. Um, but yeah, it, do, it does seem... <laughs> With us losing in the first round, don't you fret. That'll happen. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, wait, does that mean we're going to make the tournament next year? That sounds awesome. Uh, uh, at this point, I don't know. Uh, but but no, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it does seem to be... You know, we, we seem to be very much in a period where uh, the the sort of traditional big man is kind of overvalued in college and and perhaps uh, maybe perhaps a little undervalued in the NBA, which is so weird because the MVP, the NBA MVP is assuredly going to be a dominant big man um and so like something feels very strange about like college is the version of basketball that seems to value big men more and yet that value gets blown out of proportion because these big humps that anchor teams don't seem to be able to to drag folks into the sweet 16 yeah, so you you said the the MVP in the NBA this year will assuredly be a big man, but I, I think it is important. You know, Kevin, you're the one who who noted this this dialogue that is going on. Um, what do what is meant by the term big man? Because I would say that the two large humans um, are not both big mans, bigs man. Um, in the NBA necessarily. And I think it kind of depends on how we define that term. Yeah, it, NBA, it's kind of tricky because 
teams play such spread out styles. Um, but even amongst the, the big men or the fives or the centers or whatever you want to call it, like Jokic and Embiid aren't the ones, they're not lighting it up from three. I guess I don't know what their percentage or volume is. I imagine it's not not as high as someone who you would call a stretch five. And they are, maybe they're leading the break, but they're not the fastest guy running the ball down and then finishing with a dunk. If they're leading a break, it's usually via passing it. Um, so I guess the, the, that's what kind of separates them from, uh, from other NBA big men that, um, kind of light up the stat sheet, but in college, it's kind of really more about the big men who do the, who stay in the paint. Yeah. They don't bring the ball up. They're not, tr- they're usually not great passers. If they pass, if they make a good pass, it's because they're getting double teamed or triple teamed. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, seems to be a lot more teams who can find success that way. Whereas NBA in the NBA, unless you have someone who is generationally great, then it doesn't matter if you've got like the the fourth best center or the, you know, 25th best center. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to, I want to come back to the college point, but case in point is, the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves have continued to play about as well as they have all year without Carl Anthony Towns, which is a generationally talented big man. And with Rudy Gobert being kind of, I don't know, starting to be washed up. And Nas Reed is there, and he is he is spectacular, but he is like their third-choice big man. But I, I, think, I think with college, yeah, I think in defining it, it's—, it's someone who lives below the the free throw line on offensive defense and you kind of don't expect them to take a shot from outside the area and you certainly do not want them to if you are the coach uh if you are the other team's defense you are you are hoping with all your hopes that you can get that person out of the paint and and you 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 probably won't but um that's that's kind of how it works i think that the you know, Zach Eady is a great example because he is another in an illustrious line of like very large Big Ten people um, stretching I mean, back. Just to... at Purdue, he's yeah, like at, the at Purdue. what the fifth. He's the at least fourth or fifth center in the last like ten years from Purdue, who would like dom- kind of dominated college basketball, and uh, I, they have all proceeded to do precisely dick in the nba uh that would be aj hammonds um robbie hummel robbie hummel was a wing uh juan jefferson juan johnson juan johnson isaac has isaac has matt harms Harms. uh so Edie is the fifth of those guys who are all like 6 11 to 7 4 um and I don't know. It it just doesn't it doesn't seem to get you anywhere. And and we saw. I mean, Rudy Gobert. The Timberwolves were an interesting example. But like we saw, you know, the the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell Utah Jazz uh, be pretty good for like fifty to fifty five wins in the regular season, 
and then a pretty spectacular playoff flame out most years. And also uh, everyone on that team absolutely hated each other. Uh, Timberwolves then decided to spend uh, like a borderline Herschel Walker level of trade capital to bring in the guy that everyone in the NBA hates. Weird choice. Uh, uh, and, oh, and Carl Dylan Towns Brooks has most to certainly does not fit that definition of a big man. And also is a weird example because like he might be the the most talented and skilled player that uh, like a decently sized portion of NBA fandom can with a straight face call trash and be right carl towns sucks so uh, so i i think you know to you know we've kind of explained the nba nothing inflammatory here playoff kind of failure Mm -hmm. um but i want to compare playoff failures in the nba to college regular season and this this is my thought and we are we are prime viewers of this and and i feel like the where where big men can kind of uh well in, in the college they shine in this situation in the nba they they falter in it is like so many college offenses and stuff uh, or and defenses for that matter they're they're very much like there's an approach and they try to stick with it and it might be like hey the the really good guy on our team like we have obi top and just get him the ball and he'll he'll dunk on everybody from two feet away or something like that or or get it to zach eady and maybe some of us shoot shoot threes and same thing on defense you know so there's this there's this way of doing things and throughout the season you know you have your non-conference games against people that are not very talented and can't adjust to these schemes and then you have your conference schedule or it's like you know if, if you come out of the gate and it's like well, this is probably the game we lose, but we could still be 12 and four in conference or whatever. Like over the course of a season, you have all of these, like you, that, that can, that scheme can produce, you know, whatever in, in the course of UVA, it's like, yeah, we might give up 75 points in a game, but over the course of the season, you know, we're going to give up 60 because that's, that's it rising to the top. And so I think when you have these games against, you know, teams that are not very good and they they're you know have a bunch of six nine and below players you run up against this really tall person and they they feast and the scheme is catered around them and they just don't have the talent to to do it and and deal with it um and i think that the scheme the scheme wins out and i think it's similar to nba nba playoff series where you know, a, a big man can get schemed away, like someone like the Rudy Gobert Jazz, and you just you're able to adjust to that because you you know what it is. And in college, you play everybody in the NBA is an NBA player. Not everybody in college is you know a Big Ten level player, or even the top part of the Big Ten. See, that's that's so weird because I it I I think I vibe with most of the stuff that you're saying, but also. It's kind of counterintuitive because the NBA, the NBA playoffs are designed in large part so that talent wins out, not schemes. Uh, That's the whole deal with seven game playoff series is to reduce the randomness. 
the the mm-hmm. scheme the scheme thing happens a lot in college we like i mean look we're we're fucking virginia fans we we know yeah. how a, a rigid scheme predicated on slowing the pace and, and like in some ways kind of breaking the game it is a, a remedy for yeah. not having superior talent and, yeah, and, and that's, that, and that's that, what yeah well i was gonna say that and <laughs> that that scheme you know funnily enough is double the postman because mm-hmm. kids in college suck at shooting and um for the most part it works out for us and purdue like when it was clear that their shooters were just rattled and they were not going to make the shots and Edie was getting beat off the dribble every single possession on defense and purdue just refused to make any change um and then teams like Furman, who didn't play any zone all year were like hey we're getting beat let's just throw a zone and see if they freak out and we did um and and that's and that's what i'm saying is like the regular season of college is much more like the playoffs the nba because they try to filter out the randoms over the course of the season like zach Eady is really good um you know luca garza was really good sure but there is this framework to show that out and if you play the jazz seven games in a row like you're gonna you know you're gonna figure out hey we're the more talented team actually we we have this framework that is better and can beat this team over the longer but the nba regular season and these tournament games it's just one game it can be it feels like it can Mm. be very random yeah and another thing with one one thing with nba whereas this might kind of put some big guys to a disadvantage is with with someone like Embiid and and even Jokic i haven't watched many nuggets playoff games because they're on so late but in the when the sixers struggle in a series it's generally like you can tell Embiid is just kind of gassed because he is just getting the shit kicked out of him for seven games and they're just dependent on him to do so much and so in that case while it's filtering out the variance of the three-point shot the seven game series it's also if you've got someone who's so physically taxed it doesn't matter like i don't care how good of shape joel would would, Embiid would be in like he anyone would struggle to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think that it kind of flips it that way too do you do you think part of it is too that with with the the big men there's just this you uh, nikola Jokic is is the exception and that's why he's been so so magical but even someone like Giannis, who can dribble and and move with the ball but with with big men uh with the big man we so much expect them it's like hey your job is to score or be the most um you know most critical line of defense like so much is put on them as opposed to like you know being a facilitator or you know getting open for for you know shots off of a screen or something like that with with the big man it's like we expect you to be in these extremely physical situations and you have to win these i mean often they're like 50 50 battles all the time and i I think that that is a special pressure that they have and it it makes these expectations i i think rather unreasonable yeah and i I think one thing you mentioned earlier is that um with big men like the coaches get mad when you take a shot outside of the yeah. the painter when with 
with people like Jokic and Giannis and Embiid, like the defense is so happy when they shoot a three because they're they're not terrible three point shooters, but it's it's still the it's worst way, shot in way, their bag of tricks. It's yes, their worst shot, and also the defenders like wow, I just got I thought I was going to have to hold my ground for another twenty seconds, and he kind of just stood there and shot well, it. That's nice. Well, look, we've also Which, we've gotten yeah. twenty minutes into this discussion of the different ways that big men show up in college basketball versus the NBA without talking about three pretty gigantic structural pillars that make the college game more hospitable. Uh, Sorry, four major pillars that make the college game more hospitable to big men. One, the game is 20% shorter. Two, the shot clock is 25% longer. Three, you get one less foul before you foul out. That one cuts both ways a little bit if you got a big man that can't move his feet and and avoid fouling on defense, but it gives people less chance to beat him up in the post. And four, there's no fucking defensive three seconds. Zach Eady could just play drop coverage and hang out in the paint for the entire shot clock if he wanted. Yeah, it it allows you to to be slower and also be less fit, but be very impactful if you are largely stationary. And that, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I I said earlier, every NBA player is an NBA player. Not every, you know, a third, nearly half of your season as a college player, especially someone like Purdue, you're playing against people that aren't even in your same orbit, like all the all the time. Could you imagine Um, Rudy Gobert playing at an American college? He would have had 10 blocks a game. Yeah. Or, or just, yeah, or, or just even imagine if, if for some reason Zach, if if Zach Eady was in, you know, one of, uh, was in a smaller conference, if he was in like the Colonial Athletic Association, you'd be like, wow, he's scoring fifty five <laughs> points a game. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the I think one reason why Eady got some attention is because the Big Ten generally had or historically has a lot of teams that might run through a big guy like indiana's best he so indiana's um big man was is all like he might get second in player of the year behind zach Eady, um or and you know didn't get big 10 player of the year because they're in the same conference but um illinois the past couple of years had kofi coburn mm-hmm. who was just this mammoth in the paint and it's the same thing they flamed out both years he was around for the tournament pretty early um, they had Luke so, Garza, like, they had Adrian Payne at Michigan State. Who's the who's the guy? R.I.P. Adrian the, Payne. Um, Damn, that just made me sad. Uh, who's who's the guy on the Celtics that is the big, tall, white guy? Where did he go? Huh? The one who did the, the, Daniel Thice? The, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> on the anymore. Celtics right now, he's like he does this thing where uh, I'm, I'm going to try to look it up. Al Horford, uh, Sam Hauser. <laughs> He's not big. No, no. It's, it's, it's a very large person. Um, I don't he, willingly he watch like, the Celtics, so. Um, uh, so the person I am, of course, thinking of is Luke Peyton Cornett. Pritchard. Oh. I don't know where he went. Uh, he went to, okay, he went to Vanderbilt, which is which is going to be a Big Ten school sooner <laughs> rather than later. Let's be honest. They're more of a Big Ten school. But but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, right. I got distracted there. But yeah. right. well, I was just saying that I think that it's it's kind of impressive. Like oh, like he's doing this in the Big Ten, but I I don't know. There's as soon as these guys get out of the conference, then I guess Big Ten teams are just too stubborn to try out random stuff like 
what if we just played five guards against Purdue? Yeah, I, I mean, so so what what it you know what it is in that is <clears throat> I I'm gonna come back to my point, which is the the NBA regular season and and to a great extent the uh, the postseason in college basketball really invites a lot of this randomness it is it is one off one off games and and keep keep in mind also that the way that the conference schedules and everything work in the uh ncaa is very different than like conference stuff in the nba doesn't doesn't matter there's so many games and so like it 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 becomes almost more like a series like the college regular season okay we lost so they're ahead of us now we have to catch up in in i don't know it it feels more like that but yeah what you get at is like these these tournament games feel so much faster because there is so much riding on them and i think it ends up being more like an nba game which is there is a framework in place that uh, really value speed much more than these behemoths who are really good when it's slower. Um, they just can't, they can't seem to keep up with and they're penalized. I want to do one more thing. Uh, Pierce, you, part of your, your case earlier before we started was to go through a list of the, uh, the recent wooden award winners I want I want you to take us back through, but you didn't give. A, a, you're getting this from Wikipedia, right? Um, no, I'm getting it from Basketball Reference. Oh, okay. Um, do they have the class on the player as well? Do they have the year? The year that they have the year that they won. No, no, no. I don't. I don't mean like Oscar Shibwe won in 2022. I mean like was Oscar Shibwe a junior? when he won no. okay um all right never yeah, mind never mind I, I was gonna make the point just based on the the list of guys you were running down like i think most of those guys were upperclassmen so not only is it you know is, is the college game more attuned to the sort of traditional conception of, of big men but it's also the case that these guys are sticking around longer They've had more time in college level, like strength and conditioning programs. It's just like they're they're the elder statesmen of the sport too. There's like all all of these things are coming together. This is big confluence of conditions that make it good for for bigs in college. Yeah, I mean they they spent however many years. I mean, someone like Tyler Hansborough is on the list. Jimmer Fredette is on the list. I know he's not a big man, but. Frank Kaminsky and and Luke Garza and these these are people that you know they have bought into these systems of how to win uh you know 30 games a year for three or four years and it wins games in college it wins games against you know uh, a trip you have to to Butler uh, or a trip to Indianapolis to play Butler in November but like are you are you necessarily developing your skills as a ne- next level player? No, no because you not. just dunk over six nine people and you move left and right no more than five feet at a time, and that's fine. It wins games there. It wins games within that framework, but then it shouldn't be a shock that Kofi Coburn um, is not playing in the NBA right now, even if he was really good in college and his basketball IQ is very high. It's just you can see the play. But you you literally can't 
close out on Clay Thompson if if you know you're switched on to him. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, we have any anything else we want to wrap this segment up with? Uh, can you can they be saved, Kevin? Can the can the big men be redeemed? Well, I think this is one thing uh, to again to Tony's credit is that he just finds big guys who you know don't have any aspirations to get Player of the Year, and they they do exactly what you need a big man to do, like Jack Salt, just kind of hang out. I don't know. You kind of take do... advantage of the. You do need a big man to occasionally be able to catch the ball with his hands. I will say this. I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this. I know that he has said that he is not going to come back for another year, but Drew Timmy has one year of eligibility left. Does he really? And you know who loves... Yes. Holy shit. One, and he's the type of player who could make more on NIL than he could. And that's probably what happened with Baycott, too. Uh, that's yeah that's, uh, true. that's true let's so let's actually, make it happen we're gonna get more big men we're drew timmy in the pack line men. drew timmy in the pack line speak it into existence lavar ball come on yeah. all right uh let's let's move on uh before we indulge in too many other pipe dreams uh to pierce's sorry uh, yeah, so this is this is very topical here um, in that I, I was thinking back to when I played like you know recreational youth basketball probably from like 12 or so to 13 or 14 a, a couple a couple years there in, in late middle school type of stuff. Um, and I was not a big man or a big big boy, I guess you'd say big big early teen. Um, but I was I was, you know, probably in the 60, 70th percentile, maybe 75th percentile of height. So I was a bigger person than, than people who had not started growing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I I feel bad sometimes about it because I, I let my teammates down and my coaches down because I wasn't going to be playing that much. And one thing that I could have done to honestly be a better defender was foul more like a lot more like at all like just just hack people every now and again it's not gonna get called and i didn't do that and i was asked to do that like hey just foul the person and i had this like i I guess this fear of the law basically it's no it's no fouling is wrong and understanding that no fouling is okay and allowed and i just never adopted that and i really should have thought like a big man which is go out there and be physical and if you go to slap the ball and you slap a guy in the 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 body or the wrists or whatever it's it's okay to foul so i'm sorry for not fouling yeah uh (laughs) as a lifelong uh big man on the basketball court uh despite not being so much in the upper percentiles on height um I, I I learned that your fouls are a valuable thing, uh, for sure. I I would argue that you know, if you slap at the ball and you happen to catch the man, that doesn't go far enough. That's more like, uh, put your put your hip into someone, boxing out for a rebound. Um, that's that's what they're there for. You know, just a thought. Um. But yeah, I have, <laughs> I have, uh, 
fond-ish memories of getting tossed from an IM basketball game at UVA in like 2013 uh, because we were playing in like a Greek league or something. And uh, there was a guy, we were, you know, we were not very good. And there's this guy who just was talking so much shit. And I started, I, I, I'm not that proud of it, but I started Zaza pachulia him all oh. the time uh, to the point I basically just dared a ref to toss me and he did um, I almost got my ass kicked by Tristan Spurlock <laughs> uh, we'll save that story for another time uh, so we can do a, a big idea from pop culture and uh, let's see what, what do I have on the brain uh, oh I watched a movie the other day for the first time. I had never seen Casino before. I haven't seen Casino at all. Okay. Um, so Casino is a Martin Scorsese movie starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci about the casino business in Las Vegas and, and it's many mob ties. Um, and and I will, I will say that I I left the movie with sort of two, I think two main takeaways. Uh, one, it is almost obscene how hot Sharon Stone was in 1995. Uh, and two, I, I don't think it's it's spoiling anything to say that in the introduction, about 90 seconds into the movie. Uh, a car blows up with Robert De Niro's character inside it. It's one of those things where they start and then they flash back to tell the whole story. Um, and <laughs> there's just, because this movie was made in 1995, there's a very obvious and jarring point where it switches from a shot of Robert De Niro sitting in the car which is not on fire to an incredibly apparent like mannequin sitting in a car that is now on fire. I could, the movie it's three hours long and I could not stop thinking about that the entire time. That is, that is too, that is too long for a movie. Correct. But, You're correct. You know what? They don't care. Cause they said, you should see the Irishman. Yeah, like like Purdue, they didn't really learn. They kind of just yeah, they yeah. just keep keep Kept doing on. it. So yeah, uh, Casino is on Peacock if you are are so inclined. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have trivia this week with Max out. Uh, we were we sort of dropped the ball on asking him to to give us a trivia question until you know not terribly long before we get started. So. Uh, we'll do you guys want we'll an back untimed at it. co-op uh, trivia real quick? Yeah, we'll just do one for funsies. All right, well, can you guys name how many of the 11 times a 15 has beaten a 2 in the tournament? Can, can you name? Oh. All right, I feel like, honestly, I feel like I can carry most of this. Um, Cleveland State won once. Cleveland State has won. Hampton over Iowa State. Uh, did 
Was Mercer a 15 over Duke? No. No. Okay. Uh, Cleveland but, State also is not on the list. Really? Oh, no. Cleveland State was a 14. Cleveland State was a 14. Um, uh, was the CJ McCollum-Lehigh team a 15? They were. Okay, that's so that's one. Hampton, Norfolk State over Missouri. Uh, let's get the, the ones from the last... The last three years, because there's three years in a row. Uh, Princeton. Princeton. St. Peter's. Um, was was Florida Gulf Coast to go back a little further? Yep. Were they 15? Okay. They were. Um, I, I, I Maybe it wasn't Cleveland State, somebody... but someone beat Indiana. That was the first 15-2. No, wasn't you. You're, no, not, you're just not there. Was Hampton okay, over uh, Iowa State the first one? No. Okay. That was the first one in, oh, in this uh, millennium. Who, who there were three in the 1990s. Who beat was Miami? Valparaiso? No. No, not Valparaiso. So Arizona has lost twice. Who else beat Arizona? Oh, shit. In the 90s. Uh, I have no idea. In the 90s. Um,. Santa Clara. Oh. Oh, is that? Uh, All right. Was, yeah. So to round out the list, we've got um, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State. Oh, that was that the was other one. Damn it. One. Yeah. Went to this week. Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State, and I want to say they like crushed them. Um, they did. They did. I was so excited. It was like, oh, they've cleaned. They've cleaned out the other half of this bracket for us, and then. Yeah. I don't even remember who struck. Was it that might have been like Belmont or something? Yeah, and then in the '90s we had Richmond beating Syracuse, Santa Clara oh. defeating Arizona, and Coppin State defeating South Carolina. Wow. Okay. I guess South Carolina was a two seed at some point. All right. I mean, listen the 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 NCAA season may not have ended the way we wanted. Yeah. If but, we ever got a two seed, we'd probably end up on that list. <laughs> but the good news is, and and we could do a whole podcast on this, but I just want us all to be able to reflect happily on the fact that Jim Beheim's career ended in Greensboro. Good fucking riddance. <laughs> That's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, although I am also going to look after we finish and see if i can get uh as well if so i'll redirect it uh, so you can use that also uh, you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice uh yeah we'll be back next week to talk about something else until then i'm sean i'm pierce i'm kevin get bent you old bastard Thanks for listening.